Hello and happy Friday. Uh, another special shout out to Wyatt. Thank you so much for suggesting this song. Um, the rest of you, email me. I want to hear what you want to hear. It makes, makes this less horrible having to hear me yap about everything and everything. So um, the good news is I'm taking you to the year 2000 today. Finally, yay. Um, however, we're going back to uh, the late 90s yet again. Uh, yesterday, I introduced you to Zarakawi and I introduced you to the four main events in his life or from, again, all of this, take it with a grain of salt. This is from my research and books I've read and I'm sure there's plenty of people who disagree with me. So always check your sources, fact check me, fact check everything. Um, please always do that. Um, so I told you about, um, his, um, you know, he had these four very important impressionable parts of his life. And the second part of his life was when he was um, in prison. And so in uh, late 1998, he was released from prison and um, he started publishing works on the internet. And fun fact is he never learned how to write a, a official fatwa. And so he was just, I mean, we didn't, you know, we weren't, we weren't Twittering back in the day, but he was just, he was just posting in for his thoughts and works on the internet. And this is the first time that Osama bin Laden learns of him. And um, another thing that Osama bin Laden learns of is it's the, uh, it's called the Millennium Plot. And it's, uh, believed to be masterminded by Zarakawi. And uh, it was basically the point of this plot was to bomb Christian landmarks, and including a really touristy hotel in the capital of Jordan. Remember, he's from Jordan. And if it went down, it was foiled, and the CIA found out about it. But if it went out, it would have been his first involvement with a successful terrorist attack. So it's decided that um, Osama bin Laden wants to meet him. And so in December of 1999, they have their first sit down. And it is, I'll tell you what, it is loathing from first sight. Osama bin Laden hated his tattoos. He didn't trust him. He didn't think he was a good Muslim. On the other hand, Zarakawi hates bin Laden. He's like, he's like, oh my gosh, your mom's a Shia. Like you're not serious enough. Um, so it's, it's loathing from like day one. Not love at first sight, loathing from first sight. In the same month, I want to take you to America. I'm going to introduce a new fellow to you, Ahmed Rassam. Um, one thing I want you to consider, um, again, is I know I've posted this and said it before, but you know, if we were in class, we would be doing a CIA, FBI like manhunt chart and make like connecting all of these different guys. Um, I know you're third try seniors, and the last thing you want is more work. But I've given you so many guys. Take some of these guys, and I put a, put a list on um, our page. But start making these connections on your own, whether it's in your room or you know in the dining room. It could be a good fun conversation for you and your family during this quarantine time. But um, really start. It's it's just phenomenal to see all of these different connections. And I wish we could be doing this as a class because it's eye opening of all of this information. And we have the joy of looking at it in hindsight, and as opposed to the CIA and the FBI, not really collaborating. And so just if you, if you have time, do it. So I want to introduce you to an Algerian man by the name Ahmed Rassam, R-E-S-S-A-M. And a little bit about him. He is, like I said, Algerian. He is educated. He was educated in France. That's where he learned about Al-Qaeda. He ends up making his way to Montreal in Canada and connects with sleeper Al-Qaeda members in Montreal, Canada. In December of 1999, he is stopped at the Washington border 
because um, he uh, is found with over 100 pounds of uranium and 14 pounds of sulfate in his trunk. Now, when he stopped, and it's just a normal stop, it's not like he's targeted. This is just a normal border crossing from Canada to Washington, uh, Washington State, mind you. Um, now, when he stopped, he gets out of the car and just starts sprinting. Now, naturally, put yourself in the mind of Border Patrol. That's probably cue for this guy's up to, to no good. So he is caught and um, he is interrogated and it's discovered that he, uh, his plan was to bomb the LA International Airport on New Year's Eve, uh, kind of going along with this millennial, millennium plot that we talked about earlier. Um, he re- releases that he was trained in Afghanistan in 1998 in one of bin Laden's training camps. Um, he he con- considers himself a freelance terrorist under the banner of Al-Qaeda. Um, this mentality will proliferate after 9-11 of I did this in the name of Al-Qaeda type of thing. Now, he was executed in Washington right before 9-11, um, but before he was killed, he was shown pictures of a lot of terrorists, including the hijackers. And he, he did not recognize the hijackers, but he did give names of many sleepers in America. And he also gave intel about Al-Qaeda's interest in chemical and biological warfare. And he was killed, and then we have 9-11. Um, <clears throat> also, it's December of 1999. I know none of you were born. I asked for you, I asked homework for you that you looked up the Y2K hysteria. Um, I can tell you again, not to date myself, but uh, I was a senior in high school when um, 2000 approached. And um, when I say it was hysteria, it was hysteria. I remember I swam on a club team, and I remember a girl, I'll never forget, her name was Summer. She was super tall with crazy curly hair, and she, like, leading up to New Year's, like, would sob before practice. Like, the world is going to end. Oh, my goodness. And, I mean, even to the point of, like, New Year's Eve, like, people thinking the world's going to end, where, again, you know how, like, if you're watching, like, the New Year's Eve news or whatever, and the ball is dropping, like, Australia, like, 2000 came before us, like clearly the world didn't end because they, it's 2000. Anyway, I digress, but, um, it, it was hysterical for some people. So yay, it's 2000. So back to, um, bin Laden, um, bin Laden does truly hate Zarakawi and it's decided to give Zarakawi $5,000. Um, and he can start his own training camp in Hitar, a city in Afghanistan. And the whole point of this was, we get he's a good he's he's kind of the muscle behind like recruiting like he really he 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 was a might um but th- we needed to keep him away from bin laden keep that name in mind we're not going to talk about him for a while but keep that name in mind uh night of power night of power if you know anything about islam um this is one of the most important nights of ramadan it's believed that's when the first verse of the quran was given to muhammad so i'm going to take you now we're in in january uh, it's actually january 3rd of 2000 we're in ramadan and um uh we're, i'm taking you to yemen so we're now in yemen and five men um there, something catches their eyes off and they're in aden yemen off the coast and it's kind of shiny and so they break their fast and they break their moments of silence and they go to the shore. And what, what did they see in the, in the water was this fiberglass fishing skiff. And in their mind, this was a gift. This was a gift of heaven. Like they were being rewarded for their devotion. 
And so they're kind of stripping the boat down, stripping the boat down. And, you know, they toss the motor. Little did they know that that motor was worth $10,000 or yeah, $10,000. Uh, they didn't know. And so they're stripping the boat, stripping the boat. And they see these like bricks. And so they're pulling these bricks from the inside and they're kind of tossing them. And uh, all of a sudden these other guys come up, which we now know were members of Al Qaeda. And these members of Al Qaeda, when they walked up, they immediately stopped in their tracks and like ran away. Well, what we find out later is that, um, on January 2000, there was a, a cell, a sleeper cell of Al-Qaeda in Yemen, and they were planning on blowing up the USS Sullivan, which was off the coast of Aden. And um, they overloaded the skiff, and it, it, it partly sunk. And so um, this other group of Yemeni men, they found it, and um, those bricks that they were tossing were explosive. They had no idea they were explosive. And so when the Al-Qaeda members came, they're like, oh my God, they're tossing around explosives. Let's run. So anyway, I tell you that because that's going to lead us to um, uh, the, the explosion of the coal, which will be a successful explosion, which we will get to um, soon. It's in, it is in 2000. Uh, so we're still, one other thing I want to mention uh, in January of 2000, later in the month of uh, January of 2000, there was a very, very, very important meeting in Malaysia, in Kuala Lumpur. And um, the CIA had photographs of many of the members that attended this meeting. Um, two of the men who attended this meeting were two of the hijackers of 9-11. Um, Another um, member of this meeting is a man by the name Atash Khaled, and um, he had one leg, and the, there is a reason why that's important moving forward, um, but he was one of uh, Osama bin Laden's top bodyguards. He will be part of the coal masterminding of the explosion of the coal, um, and um, he, he's just an important name that we'll be talking about over the next couple of days. Another picture that the CIA gets is Fahad Al-Kuso. Q-U-S-O. And this man carried the money to finance the, meet, the meeting, and he is also one of the main masterminds for the uh, coal. Now, the reason why I tell you this is because at this meeting, Cuso has with him $36,000 cash, right? And all of this information the CIA has, when the FBI asks about it, the CIA does not give it to them. All right, this is so, so, so important because by the time 9-11 happens, the CIA starts handing over this documentation and it's just one of those, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Uh, for example, you know, some of these members, they're gonna come to America 18 months, 18 months before 9-11 and they're gonna attend flight school and all of these things and the FBI have their name and they're like, who are, why are they attending flight school? And, and why are they going through the flight simulations but ending it before the plane lands? There's all these questions, all these questions. It's just, it's fascinating. Uh, it's believed that that $36,000 that Cuso carried went to buy the airplane tickets for all of the hijackers. All right, so with that um, lovely note, um, again, I thank you so much for your time and your attention. Wyatt, thank you so much for the songs. Guys, please let me know what you wanna, wanna hear or we'll go back to my, uh, my playlist. I hope you're doing well. Stay happy, stay healthy, and make good choices. Weren't your mama's only boy but her favorite one, it seems.